Hey everyone, welcome to the IDBIP Group live question and answer innovators Q&A, your daily live show with Amir and Victoria, bringing you answers to common intellectual property questions. So the usual question and answer format is for us to, before we get into the question of the day, we like to cover yesterday's question. And unfortunately, Victoria wasn't with us yesterday, so it wasn't as, as good a show, I like to think. Um, but today, Victoria's back. So Victoria, what was yesterday's question? Yesterday's question was, how do I provide specimens for service marks? So yeah, this week we covered specimens for go both goods and for services. And we talked about how the specimens are different. So for goods, commonly you can submit, for example, tags or labels or photographs of the actual good that has the marking on the good or a screenshot of a web page having an add to cart button showing the mark clearly next to the actual good. Services are a little different. For services, I almost think like it's easier. There's more leeway because you can actually submit photographs of business cards, of scans of letterhead, pictures of signage, displays. There's a lot of flexibility. In fact, you can even submit invoices. And again, I, I warned during our video, be careful with invoices. You want to make sure that you aren't disclosing confidential client informa information or confidential pricing information. Uh, one of the things, Victoria, that, that you always have to keep in mind is that intellectual property law is, is very complex. And so it's very easy for you to make one statement on the trademark front that might impact the patent front. So just keep that in mind. There's going to be uh, uh, considerations that you have to take when you when you are evaluating trademarks to file and patents to file. There could possibly be some overlap that might affect the other if you're not careful. So that's just a side note. Um, but so specimens, specimens are obviously very, very important and they're necessary for you to ultimately get a registered federal trademark in the U.S. And uh, I kind of feel like we were almost jumping ahead. Um, and so I, for today's question, Victoria, um, Victoria is going to say what today's question of the day is, but just this little context, I kind of want to take a step back a bit and just go through the initial filing process. So with that, I'll let Victoria tell us today's question of the day for episode 24. Today's question of the day is what is a trademark classification? So trademarks are protect the source identity of a good or service. Now, good or service. So classifications identify those goods and services and that they group them under classification numbers. So if you ever hear someone talk about an international class, they're referring to the class identification number. Now, when you file your application, you have to indicate what the classification number is for the good and service that you're applying under. When the trademark examiner does their search, they take the classification number into consideration. The classification number indicates the general class of goods and or services that your mark is used to sell under. So when examiners are doing their search to looking for likely confusing marks, they will often look for similar marks in the classes that you apply for. So it's important that you get the classes correct because one name that might be, be really, really strong in one class may not be so strong in another class. 
So that's why it's important. It's a good strategy to try to identify classes that you might be able to apply under that might increase your chances of getting your mark registered. Now, also as a technical point, it's also important to get the classification correct. And the examiner will actually propose in a lot of cases, they will actually propose amendments. If you get the classification number incorrect, they will often propose correct classifications that they believe your mark should be registered under. So that's good in the sense that even if you accidentally do not submit the, the application under the correct classification, with the correct classification, you'll have an opportunity later to amend the identification of services or goods. Now, there's one caveat to that that I really want to point out and make sure that it's clearly communicated to all of you. When you submit your initial application, I always encourage people to go broader rather than narrower. So along with the classification is a description. So you actually have to describe the nature of the goods and services that you are providing. So I recommend try to, to provide a broad description. You want to go as broad as possible initially. That's because later during the application process, you can't broaden the description of the goods. You can only narrow them. And often in our practice, what we see more often than not is examiners will often in introduce their own amendments based on the services and goods that you're providing, amending further, usually typically narrowing the scope of the description of goods and services in your initial application. So it's in your best interest, I believe, to submit broader descriptions of goods and services at the outset. Now, one thing that I want to point out is how do you actually go about identifying what the goods and services are? So fortunately, the trademark office has a very, very good description for goods and services on their website. And if you would, Victoria, if you'll see, so this is the website here. Um, it's under the Nice agreement. And I, I just want to show you guys this. This is a very, very useful page. Now at the very top, it gives you some of the background that I just described that there's goods and there's services. And so it has some nice general remarks on the two general types of um, categories that a brand can protect goods and services. Um, but then the nice thing is that as you go through it, the classes actually have a short description of what that class identification number is covering. Um, now I'm going to just talk about three really, really common ones. Um, you can see there's many classes, but I want to cover some really popular ones. So one is class nine. Class nine is where you're going to find your downloadable software, like, like apps. So downloadable apps, your logo for your app, your icon for your app, the name of your app, this is going to be under class nine that you're going to want to file that, that trademark application for. So class nine, th class nine is anything important downloadable. So in order for your app icon or logo to be trademarked, you're going to want to file under class nine. Uh, let's keep going down. Another really popular one that I, we see often in our, in our practice is class 25. And class 25 covers clothing. So this is going to be hats, t-shirts, pants, you name it. Um, so it has a nice list that explains all the, each one has a nice explanation and it gives you examples. Uh, what's nice is it also gives you examples of things that are not included. And 
Uh, one example that's pretty on point here, for example, certain types of clothing it indicates would not be covered under class 25, like special special type of footwear, for example, or protective, protective gear, that would not be under class 25. And so this actually gives you nice pointers of where you should actually look. Now, one thing I, that I wanna point out here is that often people will file under broad clothing and apparel or just clothing in general. While that's okay, it is okay to start out broad, just know that you are very, very likely going to get an examiner that's going to request that you further clarify or amend the description of goods and services. So clothing, footwear, headwear, if you went broad like that in this, the description for class 25 goods, you are going to get a, a examiner wanting you, you to amend the description to be narrower. So you're going to have to indicate. So that's probably going to be something like the examiner saying, please narrow the description to something like clothing and apparel, namely, and then a list. You're going to have to provide a list of all the types of clothing that you provide under your mark. So beanies, pants, shirts, sweaters, um, whatever it may be, you're going to have to provide that list. Now, the other common class that I just want to point out, well, there's actually two more that I thought would be useful for the audience here. One is 41. 41 is for educational or entertainment content. So if you create a, a, a YouTube channel, for example, or for example, uh, any, any type of content, either for sports related, gaming, education, that content, you can protect the brand that provides that content under class 41. So this is a useful one. Oh, and by the way, for you streamers out there, if you're streaming under your brand, 38 is, is the way to go. So you're going to be using class 38 for streaming services. Now there's one more class that I want to point out and that's 42. Okay. 42 is going to be for your non-downloadable SaaS product. Okay. So this is also a very, very common mark in today's industry. So I just want to make a quick, give you guys a quick pointer. Okay. This is a pro tip. If you have, for example, a mobile app that you also have a web component, a desktop component that where the where, where you can actually access the service without downloading something onto your computer and can actually just access it from a browser, then please note, you might want to consider filing under both class nine and 42. So class nine would cover the downloadable aspect of what you're offering, namely the mobile application. So that would be covered under class nine. Now class 42 that classification will cover the desktop version or the web-based version where the user can access the service on a web page without having to download any sort of application on their desktop or on their phone. They can just access it through the web via a browser. So that's just an important distinction. Uh, so generally, whenever there's a mobile application client that comes into our office, we tell them, do you have a desktop, just a web-based version that's independent of the mobile app version? And if the answer is yes, then I usually advise them to file under both class nine and class 42. So class nine is gonna cover the actual app that's downloaded on their phone, and class 42 will cover the desktop web-based version of the service that they're offering. So those are some, just some general pointers. Um, so in future episodes, what I wanna do is I want to get into other strategies that you guys can use. Oh, my light's going here. Um, let me 
Uh -oh. See, Victoria was doing this last time. Bummer. Oh, there we go. Okay, so um, what I want to do though for future episodes is I want to um, talk about other techniques for identifying classes because there's some good tricks that are available. Um, the URL that's at the bottom of the screen, this is great, this is awesome, but there's also other strategies that you can use when I try to figure out what classification you fall under. So that's actually called the Trademark ID Manual, and we're going to cover that in next week's episode. Um, but for now, I wish you guys a, a happy, very safe weekend. And again, if you guys have any questions related to intellectual property, please send them Victoria's way. She can reach her at victoria at dbip.com. And we're always looking for guests. And we just want to try to provide informative answers to common intellectual property questions. Again, this is episode 24. Looking forward to bringing you guys more great content. Thank you so much and have a great weekend. Thank you.